Well, we have a joke in our family, you know, if we if we stock up on the Oreos and everything, that no one's allowed to get into the Oreos until the until it's at least 50 mile per hour winds. <laughs> you can't just get into the... Because sometimes all of a sudden it's like, it looks a little windy. Where are the Oreos? You know, you better get into that. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dalia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Just in time for peak hurricane season in August and September. Learn how to put together a hurricane kit full of, get this, foods that you will actually want to eat. And all without breaking the bank. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Florida's official hurricane season is June 1st to November 30th, but things really ramp up during peak season, which is between mid-August and late October, according to the Florida State University's Florida Climate Center. So if your hurricane kit isn't quite ready for a major storm, fear not. There's still time to stock up on supplies. And when it comes to food, our guest can help you think outside of the soup can. Friend of the pod, Janet Keeler, is the former longtime food editor for the Tampa Bay Times and current freelance editor for the personal finance website, The Penny Hoarder. So she knows a thing or two about prepping your hurricane food kit on a budget. In our conversation, Janet offers some practical advice for stocking up and stick around until the end when she gives tips for keeping handwritten recipes safe from a storm. There's a lot to think about, actually, and I think that's why sometimes people don't do it. So you need to think about your family situation. Do you have little kids? Do you have babies? Do you live with do you live with an older person? Do you have someone in your home who has dietary restrictions? You need to think about those kinds of things because one size doesn't fit all. That's a very good point. And even the dog, you know, got to have extra dog food, cat food, whatever it may be. So one size does not fit all. How far in advance should we stock up? Should we do it as soon as possible? So part of the issue with putting together a hurricane food kit is it's expensive and you need other stuff besides food. So I suggest that you you start stocking up now. It's it's almost June. Hurricane season is going to start. The traditional height of the hurricane season, the Atlantic hurricane season is September, middle of September. But we know from Hurricane Andrew that was August. I mean, they could happen any time, but it's expensive. So I suggest that every time you go to the grocery store, you pick up a couple things. Okay, so what are you picking up? You know, we start with a lot of that shelf-stable stuff and, uh, you know, picking up things like um, peanut butter crackers and those kinds of things that we can just kind of tuck away, granola bars and those things, a couple of boxes. And then it gives you a chance if you shop at a store that has sales or buy one, get one. Sometimes those are, you know, those are available. You can buy a couple. So I would just suggest you start getting stuff every time you go to the grocery store. 
That's a good idea. Groceries are so expensive, so it would be a little less painful to do it gradually. Yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at, I need to spend $300 on all this stuff. And, you know, most of us don't have like $300 extra today. No, I need that to buy one tank of gas. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> right. We have to laugh to keep from crying. You talked about some of the shelf-stable things. Peanut butter crackers I enjoy, and I even keep those in my car. Like, just for a snack for me, or if I come across, you know, someone on the street who's asking for money, I'll give them a pack of peanut butter crackers. But then I think about things like canned soup, which I really just can't get that excited about. I remember right before Hurricane Irma, I was at Super Target in the soup aisle, and this other woman was there, and we were both just looking at each other like, I don't want to eat any of this. I know that when it's a life or death situation, you know, maybe I'll just take one for the team and eat the canned soup, but are there ways to make it better? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's part of thinking in advance. I'm very against buying food that your family doesn't eat normally. If you don't normally eat Spam, don't buy a lot of it. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if people are going to eat it. So I think you should, that's the other thing. There's got to be some planning in it. What What will they eat? The reality is you don't really know what the situation is going to be. Okay, so let's say if you look at Hurricane Irma, which was 2017, and it blew through Tampa Bay, I think it maybe barely made Category 2. So it was like, you know, 85, 90 mile an hour winds. There wasn't a lot of like widespread physical damage. Some neighborhoods, they definitely trees down and some things like that. But what happened, there was power outages. So people were generally not evacuated for very long if you live by the water. So are you preparing for a power outage? That's like the biggest thing, you know, I mean, if it's like, you know, a Cat 5 hurricane barreling down on a ship, you're gone, hopefully. You're not, you're not riding it out. You're gone. But these, these lower category hurricanes, you're probably going to stay there. And what's going to happen to you is the power's going to go out. Mm. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to eat? My goal is to not be the person in line for gas, cash, or water for the first few days. Because, you know, there's a lot of people who don't prepare. It's hotter than heck out. Facts. And and you and you're not prepared. So that's the kind of thing you need to think about. If you're a camper, you're really in good shape because you got the camp stove, you've got the meals ready to eat, you know, and you can have those things ready to go. Go look at them. See how much they cost. See if you can buy a few of them. You can get like, you know, chicken cordon bleu or something that you can heat up on, you know, over sterno or something. Maybe you're a griller. You have to kind of consider like what's your situation? What are you able to do? I like the idea of thinking of it as camping. Yes. Because camping is fun. And when you go camping, you get excited to buy, you know, things to make s'mores and, you know, those little hand pies with jelly inside or whatever. So <laughs> so if I put my camping hat on, I don't feel limited to canned soup. Right. What are some foods that we could grill or prepare on the, the camping stove? Well, you know, again, it depends on kind of how it happens, which is always hard to plan for something which you don't really know how it's going to happen. But let's say the power's gone out. You you didn't have to evacuate. You're in a non-evacuation zone, yet the power's out, could be out for a week. Do you have stuff in the freezer? Start grilling it. You know, as things as things thaw, start grilling. you have chicken in there? Do you have ground beef? Are you, you know, making burgers? That kind of thing. Again, I think you have to continually think about, you know, what your family will eat. And, you know, the other thing is too, a lot of people are vegetarians. I'm one of them. Yeah. So, so now, now what are you going to do? You know, how are you going to, how are you going to eat? One of the things that people really tend to stock up on is salty, sweet snacks because, you know, that tastes good. 
right? And it kind of, there's no calories during hurricane season. Absolutely not. Right? You just got to eat this stuff. But the problem is with focusing on like salty and sweet stuff, then you're really thirsty. And you mm. haven't gotten any protein. You have to really think about like, what, where, where are we going to get our protein? Maybe it's canned tuna. And that sounds gross to me. Like opening a can of tuna. But <laughs> yes. if you if you collect some packets of mayonnaise, you know, those are all shelf-stable, those little packets. You're not opening a big jar of mayonnaise. You're just, you know, using a packet. So you, you, can, you can make actual tuna fish if That's you like that kind of thing. You That's know what I mean? Tip. Rather than like, mm-hmm. it feels a little cat foody <laughs> if you're just eating. <laughs> but, you know, if that's all you got, you might do it. Oh my gosh! I know, I know. Cat foodie. I don't want. I don't I know. want that adjective in my life. Right, right. And yeah. I'm like, you know, if when you go to the grocery store in general, don't we always say shop the perimeter, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where the fresh stuff is and everything. Well, for hurricanes, you almost want to look in the middle. <laughs> go around and see what's on those shelves. You know, there's little boxes of shelf stable milk. That's true. And I, I've like bought those when my kids were little. I would bring those on road trips. Yeah. So yeah. you could you could have those for cereal. Oh, that's good, Janet. Yeah. Good tip. So, you know, that's, and, and there's also some some nut milks that are shelf stable too. They're not, look and see what's there. That's what I mean. If you kind of, if you kind of take a few hours, go to the grocery store and do some reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. Just walk down the aisles and look at stuff and think, hmm, well, that's like got protein in it. That's the thing I think that's harder to get is protein. Yeah, that's a good point. Peanut butter is always good. Yes. And if you've got bread in the freezer or even crackers that you made yourself or that you bought, that's always a good one. Are there any other foods that actually taste good cold or at room temperature? So we're not worried about the grill. We're not worried about mayonnaise packets. I mean, you were you were the food writer for decades, so I know you've got tricks up your sleeve. Um, I can remember going to the grocery store before hurricane season and seeing canned chickpeas. As a vegetarian, I... I'm never without canned chickpeas. And they were still there, I guess, because other people didn't know what to do with them. And I thought, I can think of a million things to do with canned chickpeas. We can do all kinds of salads and fun things. So are there any other sort of tricks like that that are foods that just actually do taste good cold or at room temperature? I think that is a big challenge. After a hurricane blows through and if the, if the, if the power is out, it's hot. So really cold foods would be really good. You know, if you've filled up your cooler with ice, then maybe you've thrown on a lot of little, you know, fruit, little fruit cups and things like that. That always tastes really good cold and it feels, you know, like you're getting something nutritious. What do you do with those chickpeas? What would you do with them? I think I would marinate them in like olive oil and lemon, salt and pepper Fresh herbs if I had them. This is like my fantasy self because there's a hurricane coming. <laughs> I'm not marinating anything. But I would marinate them and then I could I could put them with any sort of greens that I had, assuming I got access to those and maybe you could tell me how to get access to fresh food. And then in, in normal life, I make all kinds of curries and I love roasted chickpeas. Those are great snacks to make in the toaster oven. You can fry them. So we have a grill pan. I guess I could grill them, and then if I could somehow boil water, I could put them on top of pasta with, like, spaghetti sauce. I don't know. I'm, I'm oh gosh, work- I'm somehow seeing, you know, Delia's <laughs> chickpea hurricane cookbook. I'm, I'm, okay, let's, let's, uh, well, let's, but, let's buy that URL. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm workshopping it, clearly, but. Exactly. But there are things you can do with canned chickpeas. But couldn't you do that? You could do that in advance. So let's say, you you know, you're watching the, watching the Weather Channel. This thing is kind of churning towards us, and, of course, it can always turn. 
you know, even if it's coming straight for us, you know, at the last minute it turns. But would it be so bad to have taken a couple of days and marinated your chickpeas or made some homemade brownies or made some things that you have on hand that will bring you comfort and you've got ready to go? I think that's part of the thing. You, you, you've got to think, and I keep saying this, but you really have to think about what your family will eat, what you are able and willing to do as far as money, um, and what, what would bring you comfort. I mean, there's a lot of cookbooks out there about hurricane cooking and that kind of thing, and I've always shied away from them a little bit because I don't want to like put extra pressure and expectations on people. Like, it's not good enough for you to plan the food. Now you've got to make chicken cordon bleu. <laughs> You know, your whole... While stocking up on batteries and cat food right, and, and you're worried baby wipes. And you have animals and you have kids and people are scared and it is hot. And it's expensive. So I like to go a little lower on the on the food chain. There. Okay, and, let's and go not, there. Well, just not to, be, not to be so overwhelmed that you, you're putting on a gourmet meal every day. You know, the idea is that you have enough to get by till the lights come back on, till you can get some help. Till the roads are cleared, it just you know sort of depends on your situation. Till maybe some assistance can come in, you know you've seen you we've all seen that within like a day or so, big trucks pull in and there's from different big grocers and there's free water and there's all kinds of stuff like that. But that doesn't happen for a day or two. So if you have enough to get you through for a couple of days, it may not be the best stuff you've ever eaten, but it's something. I do love the idea of having marinated chickpeas Mm -hmm. and a pan of brownies, which is my favorite dessert. And if there's no storm, great. We'll eat it as a celebration meal, that there was no storm. Well, that's another good point, too. So let's say, you know, it's November. Hurricane season is over, and you still have stuff in your kit. Cycle it back into your regular eating. Don't leave it there till next year. No. Eat the, eat the peanut butter crackers and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, or so donate it. That's why I'm, you know, again, not a huge fan of buying a, a bunch of stuff that your family doesn't like. That's exactly now, what happened. Three cans of Spam, people. This is what we're doing. And I don't mean to pick on Spam, but I think that's always a go-to thing because it's protein. But, you know, a lot of people don't eat that. So why buy stuff you're not going to eat? Fair point. Okay, you you have, like, some secrets to actually having fresh food. I love the tip about um, little fruit cups, like mandarin oranges that you put in the kids' lunches and things like that. Those are great. But say I wanted an actual orange. When's the right time to buy that? So I would say, you know, they're pretty good at these predictions on when these storms are going to hit. So let's say, you know, you know it's coming in a couple of days, and pe- go to the store and buy a bag of apples, buy a bag of oranges, or if it's just you, buy a few of each, however you want to do that. And those last for a long time. You know, you could get bananas, but you better be planning on eating them quickly, that kind of thing. But, you know, the bag of oranges, the bag of apples you could throw in the car if you have to evacuate, and you've got something fresh. So look around in what, what you might eat in the, in the produce section that will last you a couple of days. Okay. Avocados are another one because they're always like rock hard. <laughs> you know, it might take you a few days to get them. You know, if, if that's something that your family likes, it's really nice to have some fresh food. Mm-hmm. You could do avocado toast on the grill. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're going to your house. This is my, oh no, there's nothing like that going on at my house. It's, it's apples and peanut butter. That's all it is. Um, and maybe something a little cat foodie. I don't know. Now, besides food. Yeah. If if the power is out and maybe God forbid the water is out, mm-hmm. what else do we need that is that is not actual food in order to prepare meals? Again, it depends. Did you have to evacuate? Okay, now we need, you know, can we need can openers. Some people use electric can openers. If you have no if you have no power, 
you need a you know an old school manual manual can opener. So those kinds of things. You need that. You need paper plates. I would suggest getting a lot of handy wipes because hands get dirty and maybe the water's not. You know, the water's not in good shape or that kind of thing. So you kind of need all that stuff. Like you're going camping or like you're going on a picnic. Trash bags to make sure you can throw trash away and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Now, what are the biggest mistakes you've seen people make? One of the biggest mistakes is just not taking it seriously. You know, we have a we have a big thing in Florida, and we like to pretend like, you know, well, we're tough. And, you know, you know people. You see them on TV. Well, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, oh, gosh, if they tell me to get out, I'm getting out. Because, you know, once it happens and you didn't get out, they can't get to you. So it's a little bit scary. So we do have this big thing here about, like, we're tough and we can handle anything. We're having a big hurricane party and we're drinking a lot, which sounds like a lot of fun until you've drank too much and you're unable to deal with the situation. I mean, this is some pretty serious, this can be very serious stuff, life and death stuff. So I think that the big mistake is not taking it seriously and then just not thinking about it and expecting somebody else to take care of you because that's, that's a tough situation. Yeah, that's pretty sobering. You should plan for no one to take care of you. Well, see, that's what I said that I don't want to be in line getting gas Getting, you know, if cash machines can go out, you can't get to the ATM, the electricity is not working. So if you have some money. Now, the flip side of that is we have a lot of people in our communities who don't have the ability to do that, mm-hmm. to maybe have a couple hundred dollars in cash. A lot of people don't have the ability to do that. So I just always want to, I think about Hurricane Irma, like I said, there wasn't a lot of widespread physical damage, and that was in 2017. But there were a lot of people who lost power and lost everything in their fridge. And so people were deciding, do I go buy food or do I get diapers? And there were a lot of efforts, at least in in, uh, St. Petersburg, to help people. And, you know, I I pitched in on a few things where we packed food for people and we brought food and people lined up and got it. So I I would say if you have the ability to help after it's over, you should do that. No, it's not everybody has... You know, it's easy to say, oh, get all this stuff. But Mm -hmm. that's why I say if you can get now, like if you could spend $10 extra a week starting now, you're going to have some stuff. No, thank you for saying that. Because this whole conversation that we're having is a privilege to talk about marinating chickpeas and making brownies when when you don't even know if you'll have a roof over your head. And you may be eating whatever the shelter has. So we we definitely acknowledge that. Yes. But for those of us who are in a position to buy a little bit extra and hopefully help our neighbors too, you talked a little bit about comfort food and I brought up making s'mores like we're camping. But why does food matter so much? You got to get the radio and the batteries and the water and all of these, you know, sandbags and all these things to make sure you're, you're safe and healthy. But why not just eat? to live at that point. I can remember right before Hurricane Irma, we had a little hurricane party at our next door neighbor's house. She's kind of like a grandmother to us. And she made spaghetti and a pecan pie. And it was so comforting. And I just felt like as long as I'm eating Vonda's pecan pie, (laughs) it'll all be okay. And we stayed up and played cards and it was all okay. So why why does food have such an important role in a time like this? I think it's because, in general, it's how we show love for one another. You know, we love to cook for people, some of us, you know, but but we certainly love to go to someone's house who loves to cook. So that's it. And it's a communal thing. You know, we break bread together and we talk and and it's just a a way to share experiences and to share our lives. So food is always important that way. In, In this case, there are certain things that bring you comfort, but you do, in a way, have to eat to live. 
sometimes after this, but, but there's still that, that, you know, extra added thing of like, what, what would I, could I eat now if I, you know, if I really could. And after, but you know, we're, we're a little bit privileged. So after two or three days of eating the, you know, well, I don't know about your marinated chickpeas, but you know, <laughs> the peanut butter crackers and the fruit cups, you know, you're like, I need some spaghetti or I need, I need something that makes me feel good or feels like home. Because that's part of the thing. If, if you've really been affected by this, home has a different meaning. So we really long for that. Mm, that's such a good point. Last question, and then I want to see what you brought because you brought a show-and-tell item. What's in your kit? What's your comfort food for the hurricane kit? Well, luckily, I'm married to someone who loves the hurricane kit. And in fact, it's just come out so we can like assess. I mean, we, it's ridiculous. I mean, we have headlamps and I, I demand to have like battery operated fans so I can at least kind of stay cool. So when you're talking about that, are you talking about food? Yep. Yeah. So we have like granola. <laughs> Forget about all that other yeah, <laughs> important right. stuff. You mean the fix of flat? The radio. Yeah, the fix of flat and the handheld transistor the, radio. Tell mm. me about the candy. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we have a joke in our family, you know, if we if we stock up on the Oreos and everything, that no one's allowed to get into the Oreos until the until it's at least 50 mile per hour winds. <laughs> you can't just get into the... Because sometimes all of a sudden it's like, it looks a little windy. Where are the Oreos? You know, <laughs> you better get into that. Yeah. So, you know, ours is pretty basic and, and you know, we've, we have tuna fish. We have uh, fruit cups. We have granola bars and that kind of thing. We don't really go too crazy on stuff. It's pretty basic, actually. The other thing, too, to consider is water. You know, you have to have a... They recommend a gallon of water per person per day and have a week of it. So if you've got a family of four... You're looking at like what 21 gallons, or I don't even know if that's the right math. I mean, that where are we even going to put that? You know what? I do have a family of four, right? And according to your math, we don't have quite enough water, but we do have stacks and stacks of water and we keep it in my son's closet because yeah. he's six and he doesn't have a lot of clothes yeah i don't know where you keep that 28 stuff. gallons right i oh just did gosh, the math finally i, just... I figured it out 28 <laughs> gallons, not 21 because for that's for our family but so 28 gallons of water and you know you're using that to drink but you might be using it to wash your hands you might be using it for other things to wash your face and that kind of thing so that's a tough one too getting it and then where to put it yeah I'm sure that most of us fall flat on that. But anyway, so, you know, we always usually have a lot of water. And that is, if you wait until two days before this thing is supposed to hit, oh my gosh, the freak out in the stores with the water. Because, you know, we have lives, we have other stuff to do. It's really hard to make this the focus of your life for months and months. But that's why I say if you bite off a little every week. No, that's great. I'm going to the store later today. If you bought one case of water and maybe like one box of something, one box of granola bars or one can of beans, you would have a pretty good start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about what you brought here. It's a book called Cooking Up a Storm, Recipes Lost and Found from the Times-Picayune of New Orleans. What does that have to do with this conversation? Okay, so Hurricane uh, Katrina, you know, which of course devastated New Orleans and part of the Gulf Coast in 2005. The Times-Picayune, the, the local newspaper there, shut down the print for a while because they couldn't do but they went, but they went digital. So the food editor there, Judy Walker, it within like about a month, noticed she was getting all these emails and calls from people saying, I lost, um, I, I can hardly say this almost without crying because it, it's so it really strikes home to me, but I lost all my recipes. I lost my mother's recipes for, you know, red beans and rice. All those recipes are gone because they, and you know, all the things that you could think of that you lost in your whole home, 
devastated, but they would lose their recipe boxes. So they were asking, and a lot of them had been cut from the paper, clipped out of the paper. So did you have the recipe? Would you send me the recipe? So they kept getting all these. And someone said, you ought to put together a, a cookbook of these recipes. And so um, I interviewed Judy Walker was the food editor at the time. And her, the, the co-author is one of the columnists that was at the paper at that time. And she was saying it was kind of astounding because here were people who lost everything. And all they could think of was like grandma's gumbo recipe. Oh. You know, they'd have their stuff, you know, piled. You know, those, you know, the devastation from these terrible hurricanes. It's the, the physical devastation lasts for a long, long time. And yet they were still thinking about food. So there it goes back to your idea of this comfort food of what means something to people. And so I think about that, like, you know, that idea of like eat to survive. So maybe you're going to have to do that in the days after the storm blows through. But then you get back to these ideas of comfort. But and this was a really good example of how how much the food and the recipes meant to people. And what's really funny is when I interviewed Judy, I did a story on it because I was at the Times and the publisher only printed, you know, they only printed out five or 10,000 copies because it was such a regional cookbook. Well, as it turned out, a lot of people from New Orleans had moved to Alaska, had moved to California, had moved to Michigan. And so the recipes came in when they put out a call for them. Do you have these recipes? They came from everywhere. So, so the book had a lot of widespread appeal. And I do think there's a universality in it, too. Oh, my gosh. That is so relatable, that's never happened to me. But when I moved here in 2005, my next door neighbor was a single mom with her four-year-old son who had been displaced by Katrina. And she was, would make things and bring them over for me. So you're flipping through it now. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm looking Can at like, you know, um, each, almost each recipe has what's called a head note, a little bit of information before it gets into the, before it gets into the ingredients where they talk about the person who sent in the request and the, sometimes they even have like some little some little tips. I was looking for one specifically, and I should have. No, that's okay. I can see why you said you, you can barely talk about it without crying because I have recipes from your column <laughs> that I clipped out and put in my little binder with the plastic covering over it. And the idea of losing those, yeah. or the idea of losing the ones in my mom's handwriting. Is, is hard to think about, but I'm so glad you brought it up because there's something we can do about it now. Yeah. You know, if I'm putting away my, my tax documents and my birth certificate, I could be stashing that, you know, with my photo albums and everything that's precious. Yeah, or you could, you know, you could be scanning those recipes and sending them to the cloud. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that you would have them. Of course, that's a big project. But, you know, some of us have some very serious recipe collections, a dear friend of mine and an acquaintance of yours died a year and a half ago, Karen. And um, we worked with her at the paper for a long time. And I was lucky enough to get her big recipe box. Mm. You know, and, and when I look through it, there's just, it's not just recipes. There's funny notes in there. There's stories of her life. There's little things tucked in there that she probably didn't realize someone was going to look at later. But, you know, there it's like a real record of someone's life. So those kinds of things, which is why this cookbook... I think is so meaningful. Such a, it was such a great idea to do it. But they had hundreds of people asking for recipes. Wow. You know, after your whole world's in a shambles and you're worried about that recipe that I need to make that gumbo or I need to make that etouffee or something that my grandmother made. Yeah. It's like a little piece of home. Yep, for sure. 
Oh, Janet, I didn't know we were going to get all deep today, but <laughs> thought we were just going to talk about spam. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. One thing leads to another when it comes to food. I mean, you're right. There is that, like, we've got to survive. We've got to get something in our bellies. We've got to get through the next couple of days. But then there's also that time where you can sit back and, you know, what have we gone through? What do we want to eat? Who do we want to see? And the food is very important in that. Janet Keeler is the former longtime food editor for the Tampa Bay Times and current freelance editor for the personal finance website, The Penny Hoarder. While Janet waits to break into her family's stash of Oreos, we'd love to see what's in your hurricane food kit. Take a picture and tag us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Zest Podcast. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. We also get help from Chandler Balcom and Hannah Abdel-Majid. Possessed is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.